the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back. 602-508-0960-602-5080-960. Uh, yeah, so we were talking about, with Elon Musk uh, becoming a Republican, what it means to be a Republican. What does it mean to be a Republican? What does the Republican Party mean to and stand for you? It's related to what is a conservative, but it's not exactly that. I, Mitch Dechter, who passed away last week, I've quoted her before, she uh, she was known for often saying um, that the Republican Party is the cross the conservative movement has to bear. And, uh, yeah, when you look at the range of people who represent things called the Republican – represent uh, the Republican Party in their various uh, offices, uh, when you look at the span that goes from, oh, maybe Susan Collins to what, Bill? Susan Collins to Josh Hawley. Uh, Mitt Romney to Ted Cruz, you kind of get the Midge Dector point pretty uh, pretty easily. All right. Um, Glenn Elmers, a friend of mine, has a brand new book out on Harry Jaffa. I think we interviewed him uh, on it. He was a grad student, a uh, friend of mine. We were in grad school together. He had a piece uh, attendant to his book talking about the modern conservative movement and Republican Party where I place it as well, which is really the 50s and 1960s. And starting in the 1950s with the advent of National Review and Bill Buckley's uh, book God and Man at Yale, bestseller uh, by Whitaker Chambers, uh, Witness, it took you know, a good 10 years but not much longer to get a candidate as the nominee of the Republican Party who represented the conservative movement, or at least this newly uh, reinvigorated uh, conservative movement, Barry Goldwater. Uh, There was an effort to get him the nomination in 1960. Uh, It went to Richard Nixon, and Goldwater didn't work that hard for it, to be honest. He did, however, put out his book that became a bestseller as well, Conscience of a Conservative in 1960. So depending on how you count, it either took 10 years or four years to put Barry Goldwater in the nomination of the presidency on behalf of the Republican Party in 1964. And of course, as we quoted uh, at length yesterday, all of the criticisms that came down on him, especially for his convention speech, racist, Nazi, Third Reich, Hitler, all, all of it, all the things we're used to now. I did a detailed series of quotes yesterday about Barry Goldwater. Nothing new to uh, conservatives and Republicans. Just what's new is the volume, the level, and, of course, the expansion of social media. I think also something else is new, by the way, and it's a level of ignorance a level of idiocy that we didn't used to have. Um, maybe we'll get to some of that in uh, the top of the next hour in my monologue on a uh, local school issue, which is really a national school scandal, quite honestly. We'll talk more about that in a few moments. But uh, Glenn, Glenn El- Elmers was talking about Goldwater's uh, speech in 1964, 
And the reason he was so different, Barry Goldwater, is that it was um, conservatism without gloves and a Republican Party that stood for something more than just doing a little better than the Democrats. It wasn't about competence. It wasn't about efficiency. It was about offering something seriously as an alternative governing philosophy, which is why Phyllis Schlafly wrote a book about his candidacy called A Choice, Not an Echo. A Choice, Not an Echo. Glenn says that Barry Goldwater's chief achievement in 1964 was carrying on a decades-long battle and winning a decades-long battle with the Republican establishment over its drift away from the Declaration of Independence and its champions in the Republican Party constellation. Who were the champions of the Declaration of Independence in the Republican Party, the principles of the Declaration of Independence? There were two up until Barry Goldwater. Two. You name them, we've talked about them. Abraham Lincoln and Calvin Coolidge. Goldwater's speech in 1964 mentioned tax cuts. And it went further than that. It went much further than tax cuts. It went to things going to the heart and soul of what America was, not just material prosperity. Lincoln's sense, Coolidge's sense, national renewal, Goldwater said, today we are faced with an unprecedented threat to the survival of biblical religion, of autonomous human reason, and to the form and substance of political freedom. It is important to understand why the threat to one of these is also the threat to all. It is above all important to understand why this threat is an internal one, mining and sapping our ancient faith. If you go to Barry Goldwater's book, The Conscience of a Conservative, he talks about human nature. Human nature. The root difference between the conservatives and the liberals, Goldwater wrote, is that conservatives take account of the whole man, while liberals tend to look only at the material side of man's nature. The conservative believes that man is in part an economic and animal creature, but that he is also a spiritual creature with spiritual needs and spiritual desires. What is more, these needs and desires reflect the superior side of man's nature and thus take precedence over his economic wants. Conservatism, therefore, looks upon the enhancement of man's spiritual nature as the primary concern of political philosophy. Liberals, on the other hand, in the name of a concern for human beings, regard the satisfaction of economic wants as the dominant mission of society. And they are in a hurry so that their characteristic approach is to harness the society's political and economic forces into a collective effort to compel progress. In this approach, they fight against nature. This is Barry Goldwater in 1960. This is Barry Goldwater in 1960. So when Elon Musk talks about joining the Republican Party for the first time, the reasons of going against unions and the tort bar, tort attorneys, um, first of all, welcome to the party, and I hope you find the water warm and adopt more and more of what it is we stand for, because I think what it is we stand for is a philosophy that gets you to where you are on tort reform 
and the unions. It's not about tort reform lawyers. We don't care about tort reform lawyers. It's not about members of the union. We want to represent the members of the union. Ronald Reagan came out of them. Donald Trump hired them. It's not about that. It's about their leadership and what they stand for as institutions. And it's conservatism and I would hope the Republican Party's generating philosophy, catalyzing theories that get you to oppose those kinds of bureaucratic trepidations on human nature and the ability of man to earn that which his hands labor for, to live and dine on that which his hands labor for. But there is something else about the Republican Party, and you will find this from people who go the other direction. You find more people becoming Republican and conservative than you find becoming liberal and Democrat or Democrat and liberal to satisfy the equation. The move for people who do move, who have conversion, political conversion experiences, tends to move right. But there are some that tend to move left. There are some that tend to move left. And when those who have been Republicans, I'm thinking of people like Jim Colby, I'm thinking of people like Jim Jeffords, a senator from Vermont, they talk about how the Republican Party has become too extreme for them, and they usually cite the social issues. That's what they usually cite, social issues. So um, I was talking with uh, – who was the caller yesterday? Rob. I was talking with Rob from Surprise yesterday uh, when he called in, and um, and I said a good place to start in understanding the Republican Party is maybe its first platform. It's very – first platform in 1856, the platform that convinced Abraham Lincoln, later our first Republican president, to become a Republican. People all across our party still revere Lincoln, don't they? Most of them do. We have a couple people in Arizona that don't, but most of them do. I should start start by pointing out that the social issues, family values, as they used to be called, were always part and parcel of the Republican Party. Those who abjure or abstain from or wish we didn't embrace social issues have to understand that they're going against the very founding of the Republican Party. I'll talk about that when we come back. As we go to break, let me put in a word for our friends at Balance of Nature. I take it every single day. One day, one daily dose gives you 10 servings of fruits and vegetables, 16 whole fruits, 15 whole vegetables, 100% natural. You just take the capsules once a day and you are good to go. If you don't like swallowing capsules, they're normal capsules, but if you don't like swallowing them, they're designed to easily open up to be sprinkled in food and drink. I love the product. It boosts my immunity, raises my energy, keeps me healthy. Balance of nature, fruits and veggies. It can do all that for you as well. Check them out, balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. We don't know them all, but we owe them all. Uh, As many of you have heard, uh, this Memorial Day, 960, the Patriot, this radio station, we're commemorating those who paid the ultimate sacrifice, what Lincoln called paying with the last full measure of devotion as we honor what they died for, the price of freedom. They paid for us. So we're asking for stories from you about those who paid that ultimate price. And uh, next week, May 23rd, the week of May 23rd, every day, I will uh, read the incredible stories of heroism that you, our listeners, send me. We're looking for stories uh, about friends or family members that uh, you knew or knew of, stories we should relate and tell. And while we will honor each and every story, of course, we are going to select 
one story at random, truly at random, that will be honored with a flag, a United States flag that has flown over the United States Capitol in Washington, D.C., in honor of all veterans. That was why the flag was flown there for that day. It was the brainchild of our GM, Jim Ryan. So this Memorial Day, share a special part of history with us. Share your special story, then listen next week, and you may just hear that story on air. I was talking about the origins of the Republican Party and uh, how it has uh, transformed a little bit back and forth, only to be restored, I think, in the last several years, both from the grassroots and the leadership, to what it was originally meant to be. So you go to that 1856 platform, and the first thing you notice is that it's fairly short, and it's uh, rife with references to the Declaration of Independence. Then you get this in the 1856 platform. Resolved that the Constitution confers upon Congress sovereign powers over the territories of the United States for their government, and that in the exercise of this power, it is both the right and the imperative duty of Congress to prohibit in the territories those twin relics of barbarism, polygamy and slavery. Twin relics of barbarism. Polygamy and slavery. Right there, right after the platform revivified and restated the principles and language from the Declaration of Independence, the party resolved to not only oppose slavery, but also polygamy, calling it barbaric, calling those practices barbarism. And this made all the sense in the world, of course. And as you know, Utah could not be admitted to the Union before or until it banned polygamy. As for slavery, there was, aside from polygamy, perhaps, but with a great deal more force and evil, obviously, no greater threat to the values of family. Think about that for a moment and what slavery did to the notion of family. Think about that. Think about that. Human beings downgraded into property. Mothers ripped from children. Children ripped from mothers. Husbands from wives, if they could marry and entire parades of horribles to the black family we could spend the whole day describing. Kind of a sad decline to think that we started the anti-slavery movement here in, in trying to protect black individuals, obviously, and their families, only to end up with the most prominent black power movement in this country, not only fleecing everyone in this country, but dedicating itself to disrupting that very notion of family. Um, okay, so we get that the Republican Party from its very beginning, ab initio, starting from scratch, was a party of family values, social interests, if you will. But something did change in the Republican Party. It is true. It didn't always hew to that, and it was the abandonment of those very sentiments, the idea of natural rights, as found in our Declaration of Independence. And it started with the presidency of Teddy Roosevelt, who ultimately became the leader of the progressive movement in America after Woodrow Wilson, which is why he, too, ultimately left the party of Abraham Lincoln. Well, some will say he didn't become a progressive. Remember, he ran as the Bull Moose candidate, the Bull Moose Party. 
He ran against a Republican named William Taft, and the Bull Moose Party was not the party's official name. It was its nickname, kind of like the elephant or the grand old party. It's not the official name or the donkey for the Democrats. You want to know what the formal name was for the Bull Moose Party that Roosevelt started? The official name was, quote, the Progressive Party of the United States. And that's what we got from our chief Republican of the time, Teddy Roosevelt. Then, beginning with Calvin Coolidge, the party regained much of its original positioning. Calvin Coolidge gave one of the greatest speeches ever given on the meaning of the Declaration of Independence on our two, yeah, 150th anniversary in 1926, 150th anniversary. And then we get really no Republicans of much stature until Dwight Eisenhower. You don't really get Republicans during the entire period of the New Deal. Recall why Dwight Eisenhower picked Richard Nixon as his running mate. Nixon was the vice president to Dwight Eisenhower. Two main reasons, two reasons, really main reasons, to bolster his Eisenhower's conservative credentials. Because people weren't sure about, you know, Dwight Eisenhower's conservatism. He was a national hero, to be sure. How conservative was he? You might think the same of Elon Musk in a way, right? National hero of sorts. How conservative is he actually? Um, so one of them was to bolster the conservative credentials of Dwight Eisenhower. And the second was because Richard Nixon, no irony here, this was our party after all, pulled really well with African-Americans, black voters, as Republicans always should have and did for many, many years, many years. That was the Republican Party. But Nixon was vice president while Eisenhower was president. And it was upset with the Eisenhower presidency when National Review was founded. Think about that. National Review was founded and Conscience of a Conservative by Barry Goldwater was written during the Eisenhower presidency, during a Republican presidency. There must have been something else going on, right? Disappointment is the answer. Disappointment. That's why Barry Goldwater's candidacy was a revolution, revolution in its original meaning, a turning back to origins. That's what a revolution probably understood is, right? It's a turnaround, quite literally a back to basics. Because the party became soft in the 1940s and 1950s. It tried to accommodate the New Deal without fully abandoning it. More to say. Happy to take your calls as well. 602-5080-960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602 I'm kind of giving you a quick history of the Republican Party. Uh, the party, um, I'm taking us to about the time of Roosevelt and the founding of National Review. The party had become soft in the 1940s and 1950s. But let me pause just for a second there and remind my point. It's interesting, is it not? National Review was founded by Bill Buckley and Conscience of a Conservative was written by Barry Goldwater when Eisenhower was president. They were trying to offer something 
different, something, as I say, revolutionary in the true term of going back to the original. Anyway, the party, the Republican Party came soft in the 40s and 50s, trying to accommodate Franklin Roosevelt's New Deal without fully abandoning it. Think of someone like Earl Warren. Do people remember that name? He was the Republican governor of California. He was a former vice presidential nominee, and he was later appointed to be chief justice of the Supreme Court. By who? Dwight Eisenhower. And nearly everything we think about with regard to constitutional perversions in our culture, in our court, in our courts, came from or began in what is still known as the Warren Court, especially on social issues. And this would work its way from issues having to do with prayer in school to race to ultimately, yeah, Roe versus Wade, with Warren himself and the majority of those liberal, mostly departing decisions. He had left by Roe versus Wade, but he had set the stage for it. Indeed, in Conscience of a Conservative, Barry Goldwater's landmark book of 19, from 1960, which was the prelude to his run for the presidency, Goldwater attacked the Warren court and Warren himself, writing, quote, In effect, the court says what matters is not the ideas of the men who wrote the Constitution, but the ideas of the court. It was only by I, – I think that's as good, by the way, a definition – of constitutional originalism versus liberal constitutional interpretation or the idea of a living constitution, um, as any I've ever read. The court says what matters is not the ideas of the people who wrote the constitution, but the ideas of the people on the court. It was only by engrafting its own views onto the established law of the land that the court was able to to reach the decisions it reached or it had been reaching. Thus, yes, the notion of a living constitution or judicial activism. Goldwater was foursquare against it. Republicans, like Earl Warren, created it. Most of these problems, again, as Midge Dector said, the Republican Party is the cross conservatism has to bear. Most of the problems we have, most of the problems we have, really do come from the Republican Party. I was talking to someone the other day. If we didn't have a Republican problem, we wouldn't have a Democratic Party problem, to be quite honest. We wouldn't. We wouldn't. But we do. And the fight against conservatives trying to wrest control of the party back to its original roots was not a fun one. It wasn't a happy one. It wasn't a kind one. Nelson Rockefeller was kind of the leader of that moderate movement, governor of New York, and obviously, uh, you know, obviously the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the member of one of the wealthiest families in American history. It was Nelson Rockefeller who challenged Goldwater in 64, 1964, and he ran on a campaign trying to paint Goldwater as an irresponsible reactionary. Now, the reason I'm going through all this is I want you to understand what we have led ourselves up to. History doesn't rhyme. It does repeat itself. And we are at it again. I am building up to where we will talk about and what we will talk about and how we come to a place where we come to in my monologue in the next hour. Indeed, Rockefeller sent a mailer to all California voters asking, quote, who do you want in the room with the H-bomb? button. Who do you want in the room with the H-bomb button? That was the Rockefeller mailer about Barry Goldwater. About Barry Goldwater. Not Lyndon Johnson. He called Goldwater and his followers extremists. Isn't that interesting? 
And that is what prompted Goldwater's famous line, extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. It wasn't about Vietnam or the USSR. It was directed at Rockefeller and his supporters. No surprise really, then, is it that Mitt Romney used to brag that his father, George Romney, walked out of the GOP convention when Goldwater said those words. I have some more for you. We'll do it when we come back. We'll be right back. For those of you looking for a really unique and remarkable investment opportunity with a great return for investors, check out my friends at Y Refi. Y Refi is a due diligence approved firm run by really great people who are doing very well by helping others, and you can too. They're offering a fixed no load interest rate up to 10.25% return for investors, all in a collateralized and secure portfolio. Why Refi helps people who are doing their best to dig out of debt, doing so the right way, doing the right thing, paying off their debts, doing so with dignity, even seeing serious FICO score recovery along the way. They're a local firm. You can visit them. They won't give you a sales pitch. They're just happy to talk about what it is that they do. I can't say much more about them except how much I like these guys and how much I think you will too when you interact with them. So check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then R-E-F-Y.com, or give them a call at 855-316-3087. They're in the business at Y-Refi of helping people that others won't, and you can be too. All right. In my uh, brief sketched history of the Republican Party, we come to uh, finally the nomination of Barry Goldwater in 1964. And Ronald Reagan, I think we can all agree, almost as much as Abraham Lincoln, came to the national political scene as a Republican in his most decisive way in a major nationally televised speech on behalf of Barry Goldwater in 1964. A lot of people think the Reagan time for choosing speech was at the convention. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was a paid, uh, uh, paid for uh, speech by the Goldwater uh, campaign donors on uh, NBC. Thirty minute uh, buy on NBC. Reagan concluded his speech denouncing Nikita Khrushchev, head of the USSR, and those who would seek accommodation with him. The following way: This is what Reagan said: "You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet." as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should have Moses told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis didn't die in vain. Where, then, is the road to peace, Reagan asked. And then he said, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is the meaning in the phrase of Barry Goldwater's peace through strength. Winston Churchill said that the destiny of man is not measured by material computation. When great forces are on the move in the world, we learn we are spirits, not animals. And then he said, 
there is something going on in time and space and beyond time and space, which, whether we like it or not, spells duty. And thus began the resurgent or the revolutionary modern conservative movement taking us back to the original Republican Party. It started with Goldwater and Reagan, and I think it's fair to say, especially when you think about all that was said about Republicans circa 2017 to 2022, to 2022, 2017 to 2022, everything that is said about us negatively, extremists, racists, bigots, it started then. It started when we started standing up to them. It started when we started taking on their nostrums. And so they will exploit any possible thing as a way to leverage, as a way to leverage those, what, epithets and phraseologies of racism, bigotry, and extremism. We got it most recently, of course, with the massacre in Buffalo. Um, and how they're attempting to graft that on to not just Republicans, but conservative media outlets and personalities like Tucker Carlson. Um, this is why Vaclav Havel, who was imprisoned by the communists in Czechoslovakia before he became the president of the Czech Republic after communism fell, it's why he said in his famous 1978 essay, he said, if a lie is the greatest strength of the system that controls us, of course that system is going to find the truth, its greatest enemy, and why it must be canceled more strongly than anything else. Havel knew what he was talking about in 78, and we know about it right now, too. Have you been able to get your hands on this manifesto? Of the Buffalo shooter, the alleged Buffalo shooter's alleged man. Have you been able to see it? Or have you only been told what it says by the media and the left? George Carlin does a uh, interesting skit about how in the English language we're always expanding phraseology beyond necessity. Like if you get on a flight, they say we're going to begin the boarding process. Eh, how about just boarding? We're going to start boarding. Or <laughs> or the weatherman, weather female, weather woman will say uh, we're experiencing a rain event. It's raining. Uh, we do it here in radio, don't we, Bill? We say pre-record. There is no other kind. Recording will do just fine. Anyway, um, when I say the media and the left, uh, I guess I'm doing that too. I guess I'm falling subject to it as well. It is no need to say both. Writer over at Real Clear Politics, Matt Makowak, writes that the left in America has an instinct to use horrific events for its own purposes, to help them achieve what they were already attempting through other means. The mass shooting in Buffalo is the latest example. Within minutes of the news that a deranged racist drove to Buffalo to open fire at a grocery store that served African-American residents or primarily served African-American residents, an array of liberals and leftists launched intense criticism of the highest-rated cable news host in prime time, Fox News's Tucker Carlson. When seeking to blame a cable news host for the actions of a mass murder, one would hope facts would be considered, considered before leveling such a charge. 
In the 180-page manifesto, the shooter includes a chart claiming that Fox Corporation's predecessor, 21st Century Fox, was run by Jews and accused Rupert Murdoch of being secretly Jewish. The shooter posted photos of 34 individuals, all Fox News executives, anchors, reporters, or contributors who are either Jewish or have a Jewish spouse. In the same manifesto, the shooter specifically denies he's a conservative, writing that, quote, conservatism is corporatism in disguise, and I want no part of it. Guess what? Guess what? Tucker Carlson, whom the hard left is blaming for this tragic mass murder, was not mentioned once in this screed. Not once. We're going to talk about some more inventions in just a moment. We'll be right back. Yeah, we're uh, going to talk at the top of the next hour what we're doing to the kids in America. Uh, but uh, the springboard for it was not only the history of what I was talking about most of this hour, but leading up to the use of the Buffalo Massacre to attack Republicans, particularly one Tucker Carlson um, and, of course, the rest of what did, what did Hillary call it? The vast right wing conspiracy. Irresponsible. So irresponsible. Think about that for a minute. Vast right-wing conspiracy. Everything the conservative movement said that prompted her to say that it had to do with Bill Clinton's affair with Monica Lewinsky. Do you remember that? That's where it came from. The Monica Lewinsky charge came out. She goes on the Today Show and blames a vast right-wing conspiracy. The truth was the enemy. The truth was the enemy. And the truth was true. And the conservatives and the Republicans and those who were shocked by Bill Clinton's behavior had it. And Hillary Clinton tried to weaponize it and distract and turn it on to a vast right-wing conspiracy that the media, of course, went along with until the evidence came out. You would think with all this talk about Tucker Carlson and the right being responsible for the Buffalo shooting, you would think a responsible news organization, one, one responsible mainstream news organization, might review a little bit of the history of these massively violent events, wouldn't you? As this author at Real Clear Politics does the job for them because he says if using domestic terror incidents to achieve political goals is now the widely accepted tactic, then liberals and their platformed messengers need to answer for a few things like the 2022, this year's New York subway shooter who was virulently anti-white and an adherent of black identity extremism, or the year before the Waukesha Christmas parade killer who wrote an anti-Donald Trump rap that included the lyrics, well, I can't say them, it begins with the letter F. Uh, Do people remember the 2019 Dayton shooter, the 2019 Dayton shooter, self-identified as a leftist, supporter of Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, and Antifa, or the 2017 congressional baseball shooter, Bernie Sanders supporter targeted exclusively Republicans. Remember the question he asked? Is this where the Republicans are playing? And, of course, the 2016 Dallas police shooter who was a supporter of the new Black Panther Party and Black Lives Matter. Uh, try and foist in it on Tucker Carlson. Good luck with that. Good luck. Um, 26 instances recently before Buffalo, 26 instances where Tucker Carlson specifically denounces political violence in no un. 
certain terms, while those on the left continue to ignore it and refuse to condemn it, except when they can blame anyone they define as a right-wing figure. Stay tuned for my monologue coming up next. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 